In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Friends, as uh, Matt mentioned, we start a uh, new series today for the fall. It's going to take us all the way to Advent. You guys know that Advent's coming? It's coming up uh, in, the, in about 12 weeks. Uh, but this series is going to take us all the way there to Advent. Um, it's called Living the Politics of Jesus in a Partisan America. And we're going to be preaching through the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, in liturgical time, this is known as Ordinary Time. It's between uh, Pentecost and Advent. This is ordinary time, but these don't feel like ordinary times, do they? It feels like extraordinary times. There's a global pandemic, if you hadn't heard, that is wreaking havoc on our bodies and our economies. There is pervasive systemic injustice and violence being revealed and protested. There is, in our day, rising political polarization and antagonism fueled by the hot takes and clapbacks of social media. And we're approaching an election in just a few days that promises to be more contentious than perhaps any in our lifetime. And sadly, our divisions even within the church are more evident and ugly than ever. In the midst of us, in the midst of this, this situation, how do we follow Jesus? This is the question we want to ask in this series. What does it look like to be a disciple of Jesus in America today? What does it mean to be the church, the body of Christ, in the midst of all this chaos and all this confusion? The collect that we read this morning talks about being able to resist and withstand the temptations of the world, the flesh, and the devil. There's a lot of temptations out there, a lot of options for us. And right before the passage from the gospel that we read, Jesus uh, engaged in these same temptations out in the desert. And they're temptations that are very present for us as we think about how to follow Jesus today. One temptation, this one's especially strong for white people, so pay attention. Uh, one temptation is to just try to ignore all of this, right? To, say, to try to stay above it all. You know, uh, let, let the politicians and their pawns wrangle in the media and, and let that all happen. But I'm just going to focus on my spiritual life and I'm going to wait for this to blow over. But friends, that's a temptation because it's, uh, it's not, we lose Jesus when we do this. Because these are the impulses of the wealthy and the privileged. The poor and the oppressed have always known that these things matter. And if we dismiss their voices by trying to stay spiritual and stay above it all, we lose Jesus because that's where he said we'd find him. So I think the other temptation then that most of us face is to get sucked into the politics of partisan America, to choose a side, to accept the game as it has been given to us. It's left versus right. It's a donkey and it's an elephant. Pick one. Or try to find a spot in between, a moderated point of view. And... Uh, we pick a spot, we take our place in the culture war, and we think that this is how we're going to follow Jesus in the midst of this. But again, we lose Jesus when we do this. On the right, we attempt to uh, leverage worldly power to advance our agendas through coercion, and we end up with a God who needs to be protected by politicians. On the left, we reduce everything to social activism, and we become legalistic cancel culture warriors who think that shaming and shouting at our opponents will lead to justice. 
<laughs> yes, that's the right response. Boo. These are temptations, friends, that all of us feel. That are It's very tempting to get sucked into these things. But Christianity, friends, our faith is neither left nor right. And it's not a private religious affair that we can just practice on our own. Friends, this is the good news we're proclaiming today. Into the ramped up rivalries of election cycle politics, Jesus comes to do nothing less than establish a new political order, embodying and proclaiming a completely new way of being human together that takes us beyond the polarities of partisan America into the healing justice of the kingdom of God present among us. What do you need to leave behind today in order to follow Jesus and learn his politics? For this series, we're preaching through the Sermon on the Mount because nowhere else is Jesus what I'm going to call political vision more comprehensively laid out than in these three chapters of Matthew 5, 6, and 7. One immediate hurdle, though, we have to overcome before we hear the words of the Sermon on the Mount is all the ways that we as Christians have tuned them out. Historically, there's a lot of ways of doing this. The, the Sermon on the Mount has been interpreted in a number of ways that render it obsolete for Christian living. We've domesticated the Sermon on the Mount by saying hey, it's only for the elite. If you're a monk or a pastor or a priest, then the Sermon on the Mount, you should probably pay attention to it. Ordinary people need not apply. We've said maybe it's just for the future. This is just after Jesus comes back. Then this, won't that be nice? Yeah, it'd be great. So let's just wait for Jesus to come back. But right now, we don't really need to worry about it. We've said, hey, it's maybe only about our private attitudes. Just try to be like this personally. But it doesn't really affect how we live out our faith in public. And finally, we've said, you know what? The Sermon on the Mount is not actually meant to be obeyed. Jesus was just trying to help us understand how hard it is to be perfect so that we know that we would need God. Can we just say like that? all of that's nonsense? Ooh, yeah. All of that's nonsense. Balderdash. Uh, the effect is remarkable, though, friends, and we see this every day in the news, that we can claim as Christians to be followers of Jesus and yet, at the same time, dismiss almost all of what he says as irrelevant. One example, there was a famous, uh, well-known Christian leader in 2018 who had an interview with a reporter. The reporter asked this Christian leader, why are so many Christians willing to support political candidates who revel in disobeying Jesus' teachings. This Christian leader said, I think they're finally glad that there's somebody on the playground that's willing to punch the bully. The interviewer asked, what happened to turning the other cheek? This Christian leader said, well, you know, you only have two cheeks. Do you hear the assumption there? The assumption is Jesus' words are to be followed up to a point, but as soon as something important is at stake, like political power, then it's okay to disregard his teachings. So instead of that, this fall we want to ask, what if we just took Jesus seriously? What if we heard the Sermon on the Mount again, not as pretty words, but as a robust political vision that calls for our allegiance? Not as an impossible standard for a far-off future, but a down-to-earth practical rule of life that we can actually live out today together, here and now, under the Lordship of Jesus? That's the question before us. Today we're going to do a brief introduction to the sermon, the context around the sermon. You'll notice our reading was right before the sermon and right after the sermon. And then we're going to spend 10 weeks in the sermon. And finally, we're going to end on Christ the King Sunday uh, with a conclusion to all of this, right before Advent, November 22nd. 
So the context that we read about in today's gospel reading is the Jesus' announcement of the arrival of the kingdom of God, Jesus' call to follow him as he embodies and proclaims this kingdom, and Jesus' authority to teach us this new way of being human under his lordship. So first of all, in verse 17, the announcement, that Jesus begins his ministry with this announcement, the kingdom of the heavens is arriving. Repent and believe the good news. Now, Jesus is not speaking here of where we go when we die. He's not talking about heaven as we normally think about it. The kingdom of the heavens just means God's kingdom. It's a stand-in in Matthew's gospel for the word God. So this is the kingdom of God, and Jesus is saying, it is arriving here and now through me, through my ministry. The simplest way to talk about what a kingdom is, the kingdom of God is just where what God wants done gets done. Where God gets what he wants. That's God's kingdom. Do you see how this is a political statement? The kingdom of God is not an interesting new spiritual option that you might be interested in if it fits your lifestyle. The kingdom of God is a new political situation that you have to deal with. It's here. It's arriving. It would be similar to maybe you wake up tomorrow and, and you, you read the news and you realize that the USA has been dissolved. And that every state is kind of like now under the government of some other country. And we find out, oh, Indiana is now being governed by China. Right? That wouldn't be like, oh, that's interesting. No, we'd have to figure out what our life looks like now, right? We'd say, what does this mean? There would be a new political situation that we have to deal with. This is what Jesus is saying. The kingdom of God is arriving. You have to deal with it. It's coming. Christianity, friends, properly understood, is not a matter of private beliefs and spiritual practices. Christianity is a politic. What I mean by that is an all-encompassing story of history and a way of life together that grapples with everything necessary to deal with how do we live together. So how are, how are we going to deal with offenses? If somebody offends me, what do I do? How do we deal with our money? How do we deal with enemies and violence? How do we arrange our marriages and our families and our social structures? How does authority work in our midst? How do we rightly order our desires and our appetites? And also it asks questions, it tells stories about the big questions of life. Where is history headed? What does it mean to be human? What does it look like to live in community in a way that engenders flourishing and justice and peace and righteousness and beauty? Friends, as followers of Jesus, we do not look to America to give us this story. We do not look to the left or the right to give us these guidelines. We look to Jesus to give us these guidelines. Because again, Christianity is a politic. It's a way of life together. It's not just a matter of private beliefs and spiritual practices. When we pray in the Lord's Prayer that your kingdom come, your will be done, what we're saying is, Lord, your government come, your politics be done on earth as it is in heaven. Friends, into this ramped up into the rivalries of this election cycle politics. Jesus comes to do nothing less than establish a new political order, embodying and proclaiming a completely new way of being human together that takes us beyond the polarities of partisan America into the healing justice of the kingdom of God present among us. And he calls us to follow him into that. In verse 19, he calls his disciples. He says, follow me and I'll make you fishers for people. What he's saying here is, watch me as I embody and demonstrate this new way of life. Become like me. 
as I show you what this politic looks like. Jesus stands at the heart of the Sermon on the Mount as the one who fully embodies and lives out this way of new, new way of being human. He shows us the politic in his life, and he calls disciples to learn from him. The disciples are not just people who are learning information from a professor. The disciples are people, are, are mathetes, they are learners, they are people who are learning to become just like their master in every aspect of their life. And his disciples have to leave what currently occupies their attention and their energy. They leave their boats. They leave their father, Zebedee, in the boat in order to follow Jesus. It's a radical reorientation of their life. And Jesus, as Jesus demonstrates this politic, he proclaims this good news to the poor. And he heals the sick and crowds gather. And just like a new Moses, he ascends a mountain. And just like in our Exodus 19 reading, we hear him instruct the people of God in this new way of life that they are called into together. So friends, the Sermon on the Mount, as we listen to it, just remember it is not private moral instruction for how to be a nicer person. This is Jesus' political manifesto. He teaches his disciples how to live together as citizens of his kingdom under his lordship. And finally, Jesus' authority is mentioned right at the end of the sermon, where the crowds are astonished because Jesus is speaking as one who has authority, it says. Which just means Jesus is assuming that he just gets to say what this politic looks like. He doesn't need to quote anybody. He doesn't need to bring anybody else into it. He just says, this is what it's like. Follow me. I'll show you what God's kingdom is like. So Jesus, friends, during this, during this series, Jesus is not just somebody that we agree with or that we appreciate or even that just we worship, but he's someone we follow as a rabbi. We follow him as a master. We, he is the king of this arriving kingdom, and so we pledge our allegiance to him and we follow him as disciples. As our reading from the New Testament, book of James encouraged us, don't just be hearers of the word, but be doers. That's the posture we want to cultivate in this season. So friends, our allegiance is not to America. Our allegiance is not to a donkey or an elephant or even a mix between a donkey and an elephant. <laughs> our allegiance is to a lamb slain from the foundation of the world, to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, which is a politic. It is a way of life that we learn to live together in public. This is what we're going to spend the next 11 weeks doing, learning to practice the politics of Jesus together as his disciples. Friends, into this season, this ramped up rivalry of election cycle politics, Jesus comes to do nothing less than establish a new political order, embodying and proclaiming a completely new way of being human together that takes us beyond the polarities of partisan America into the healing justice of the kingdom of God present among us. What do you need to leave behind today in order to follow Jesus and learn his politics this fall? What commitments do you have right now that need to be called into question to really embark on this journey of discipleship to Jesus? Perhaps you have an identity that's all wrapped up in a political party. Maybe it's all wrapped up in a political ideology. Republican, Democrat, capitalist, socialist, I don't know. But maybe your identity is all wrapped up in that, and that, that's what you need to leave behind if you're going to follow Jesus. Maybe you have an attachment to your own ideas about what's best. Maybe that prevents you from repenting and learning. Perhaps you need to leave behind contempt for those that disagree with you. 
Perhaps you need to leave behind assumptions about their motivations. Perhaps you need to leave behind a desire for comfort and affluence that tunes out anything that demands sacrifice or repentance or generosity for the common good. Perhaps you need to leave behind a desire not to rock the boat so you can just fly under the radar and survive this season. Friends, instead of all those things, let's leave those things today and let's pledge our allegiance to Jesus and his kingdom, leaving behind all that hinders us, all that trips us up from learning his new way of being human together. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.